before there were perfect things, there were diamond absolutes, but things fall, things on earth. And what falls is fallen? Wait, really? What the fuck does that even mean? Sorry, I, I took it right from IMDb, so it's just weird to me. What fall, no shit, what falls is fallen. It's fallen down, dude. I mean, if you talk to the grandparents in the 50s, they talk about how their children were out of control after Elvis. It wasn't like the good old days when they were kids, you know, because they're like, you know, they had a the Great Depression generation and they went through the hard times. And everybody always sees it, you know, as, you know, when they grew up, it was always better for them. Like the worst thing that's ever happened. And when everyone's running away from it, he's running toward it. And right. he was, you know, such a first responder there. This whole thing could have just been settled by the two of them talking it out. That's all it would have had to have been. Right. Just him being like, hey, dude, are you killing people? And Batman's like, I mean, not a lot of people. Like, hey, did you, you know you leveled in the whole city, right? And he's like, yeah, but I'm trying to do the right thing. That's all. Right. All it would have been. It was a huge misunderstanding. So they're always dealing with the effects of it instead of dealing with the actual problems. I think that's what the major thing is because I think they essentially don't want to deal with them. I think by allowing them to continue, you'll have a distraction. At a certain point, you do go from being the good guy to being the bad guy when you take it, when you're something to cause more damage than they were. Are, are, you, are you saying that you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain? You have to hold your country accountable. If you have a child and your child does something bad, do you let them get away with it, or do you put them in their place, tell them what they did wrong, and wish for them to do better? If you truly love something, it's because you, you criticize it because you want it to be better. Right. Torture. I mean, it, 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 it said it's that well, We were trying to protect terrorism. Yeah, for that 1% doctrine that leaves you open, you know, to be able to do anything. And then there are no rules. I, I feel a lot of terrorists are just Batman in their own right. Right. right? If your whole family was killed by, by the infidels, then you're going to grow up and your whole life's purpose is going to be to stop these people. Is some person's traitor, you know, is somebody else's truth teller. Holy fuck, have you had halal food? Like, if, if that doesn't just bring peace to this world, I don't know what will also that maybe we're not always acting so altruistically and we're not always acting as the protectors and that we we are still very wounded from, from bad things that have happened and we're still holding on to those three two one Welcome to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. Rate and review us on iTunes. Find us on the Podbean app. 
And you can find the first couple episodes on SoundCloud, but since then we've moved on to Podbean. It's a, it's a really popular podcatcher, so definitely make sure that you take a look over there. You can find us online, find show notes and sources at politipoppodcast.wordpress.com. You can find us on Twitter. Reach out to us at politipoppod. And feel free to send in your thoughts and opinions or even some suggestions at politipopcast at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in to the third installment of Batman v Superman and its correlations to the War on Terror. I am sitting here with my colleague, Joe. Joe, correct. Just like Seal or Sade or Spider-Man. Okay, well, yeah. In that case, you'd be the amazing Joe, the spectacular Joe. That's right. In part one of this series, we discussed Superman's place in this allegory. What, Joe, can you just tell us real quick, in a nutshell, what did Superman represent? Uh, Superman represented, as he is, an alien. In this case, in our reality currently today, illegal aliens. So people that have come from other places that are seen as not like us. Awesome. Excellent. And in more specific terms to the War on Terror, he was... Islamophobia, xenophobia. Well, right. he wasn't Islamophobia. He was what people fear. Right. And in part two, we discussed Batman's place in all this. What did Batman represent? Ah, uh, he's the old U.S. of A. He is. He's the old U.S. of A. He's the. He's John Wayne. He's taking law into his own hands, making it a better place. A renegade guy on the edge, doing whatever it takes. Exactly. It you know it's like the one man eighteen. Exactly. He's uh, kind of the ends justify the means. And in the third installment, we are discussing everyone from Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, who wasn't Batman or Superman. Right. That's basically the, the whole point here. So we're, we're discussing the third parties today. We're discussing the others. And the first item on our list is Lex Luthor, because he's probably the biggest uh, the biggest player in this movie other than Batman and Superman. Uh, so he's, in this movie, he's the force that keeps these two at each other's throats. Do you think that there are some forces that benefit from war or benefit from the fear that came out of a post-9-11 world and the invasion of Iraq? And who are those forces, if there are any? Oh, certainly. In that kind of a case, it'd be like the military-industrial complex... People that are selling, uh, you know, systems that could use to, to spy on people, things that are just going to be used in the surveillance state that they created. So basically, those kind of things. Whether it's as you know, as obvious as things like, uh, you know, people that like Raytheon that makes Patriot missiles to you know people that may not be as you know people that may not know about as people that are involved in cybersecurity and stuff like that. So certainly, all different kinds of industries will be benefiting from that kind of a uh, big boost in the economy from those extra spending for you know that extra cozy, warm feeling of you know. Having some safety. Quote, unquote, security. Exactly. So you got all these nukes and you should feel secure about it. Uh, all right. And in the movie, we have Lex Luthor. He he keeps these two going at each other. Uh, somehow he was able to outsmart the world's greatest detective and its most omnipotent being by just sending Polaroids to them and uh, and and putting them, putting them at each other's throats that way. Uh, also... He, in the extended version, he paid off a woman to say that her family was killed by those, uh, by the attacks in Nairobi, or was it Nairobi in the movie? 
I think it was Nairobi. Well, Nairobi is an actual city. Nairobi though. is an actual place. In Kenya, yeah. Nairobi. That I don't know. Sounds like some chick I would have met at a club. That's what that <laughs> sounds like. Uh, but yeah, so there was a there was a woman in the everything that happened in the beginning of the movie Nairobi. A bunch of people were killed, and they blamed it on Superman because of, of course Superman goes in and he starts. Uh, if he starts killing people with laser vision, it clearly looks like bullets just went through them. Right? I don't I don't know why they thought that it was a good idea, but that's that's beside the point. Uh, so Lex in this movie he does he does benefit quite a bit. He ends up using the fear of Superman to actually get access to the Kryptonian ship that crashed in Metropolis. Right, and the body. Yes, he gets access to Zod's body, he's able to create right. Doomsday. Uh, there's only one senator who doesn't want to give him that power, but everyone else he's pretty much able to get it from. Right. Uh, do you think that, like you said, there are people that are willing to sacrifice, I want to say safety for security, but that's a little redundant. They're willing to sacrifice privacy for freedom. Yeah. Yeah. They're willing to sacrifice freedom for security. Yeah. In this case, it kind of reminds me of the Patriot Act. Right. They started saying, listen, we're going to start surveilling you and listening in on your phone calls and your emails and everything, but it's so we can catch the terrorists. Right. Well, they always have that justification. They always say it's, you know, to catch the the one bad guy, but you end up giving up all your, all your, you know, freedom, like you said. So they're looking at all your emails, all your calls, you know, saying so everybody's getting sucked up into it, even though they'd be looking for this one small group. Everybody ends up, you know, suffering from it and then end up having that, you know, lack of then respect or, you know, lack of belief in the government then because they do know how much they're doing and, you know, who knows what could be done with it. If someone gets in charge that's, you know, not of the highest quality of ethics, they can start using it to build, you know, dossiers on people and blackmailing them or whatever or destroying people's careers or, you know, like the FBI did with you, uh, with, uh, with Hoover, where you try to blackmail MLK to drop out. By trying to show his wife that he's having an affair. So it could always be used as a negative way. And that's the way it's always done, especially when you want to get contracts. So if you're a LexCorp, you know, you want those contracts, you got to start getting everybody scared. No one wants to be the guy that votes against, you know, safety. You know, you want to be that, you know, want to be that one guy that gets blamed. So everybody always jumps on board, like Iraq. They all voted for, you know, the Iraq war, with the exception, I think it was like Bernie Sanders and one other person. That <laughs> was everybody voted for because they don't want to be the guy that didn't vote for it. So sometimes it's hard to be the person with conviction. Well, especially when you say that they have weapons of mass destruction. Right. Uh, which weren't found, right? Right. Well, same yeah. thing. And in this case, I guess Superman's kind of the weapon of mass destruction. He could burn the whole place down. That's right. He certainly can. And it wasn't hard for Lex to be able to capitalize on Batman's fear. Uh, because in this case, I don't... I, I know that that as a bleeding heart hippie liberal, I always come off as, oh, America sucks. I don't like America. America's racist. America uh, is, is – they're bullies and stuff like that. But really, America's fucking awesome. And just in the same way, Batman's fucking awesome. But he just wasn't great in this movie. And the reason being is because he was afraid. He was he wasn't being a hero. He was he was showing fear and he was acting irrationally. And that's not what Batman does. Batman's whole persona represents overcoming fear. Right. Well, that's what happens when you act out of fear. You're not acting rationally. You're not acting in the most efficient way to solve the problem. You're basically all over the place trying to do everything, and in the end, you end up solving nothing because you spread yourself so thin. You don't actually end up you know protecting the areas that need a better protection. So you end up basically. Doing more than you need and accomplishing less. 
in the end, I think if he had a more level head, he could have killed Superman like he wanted to. Oh, yeah. Uh, because the detective would have just, once again, Lois found out in two to three days who Superman was. That's right. before he was even Superman. Batman has two years and he can't figure out that both their moms are named Martha. Right. That would have been it. And then he would have been like, you're letting them kill Martha. He'd have been like, all right, well, I'll get to that after. That's your mom's name, right? All right, I'll get to it after. Uh, right, I'm busy. You know, I'll, I'll stab you through the throat with this freaking kryptonite spear. And then that's that. Another thing that you mentioned that I really liked was how uh, – the military industrial complex seems to benefit off of war because their whole idea is, is war and their, their whole product is, is weapons to quote, keep us safe and, and over, overshadow the bad guy, overpower the bad guy. Uh, there's clearly a moment in Batman v Superman when Lex wants to partner up with Bruce Wayne and he says, my R and D is up to all sorts of no good. What place does R&D play in the military-industrial complex? Oh, with the huge contracts, they get tons of money for that. I mean, they've had weird occasions come out where in Russia they were doing experiments by trying to merge the genes of apes and humans to make them these, like, super soldiers. Wow. Yeah, so they've, you know, like, even here, like, they've always done weird things to try to, you know, they tried to create Star Wars. They would have lasers in space That's that would right. shoot, you know, missiles out of the air like bullets. And you'd shoot it out of the air. Was that, was that Reagan? It was Reagan, yeah. Trying to create, you know, Star Wars system. So there's always, they're always trying to reach for the next best thing. I mean, I'm sure eventually they're going to try to come up with their own real super soldier serum like Captain America, you know, or an Iron Man suit. I mean, they already have a, a, something similar to it. Yeah. But it's so expensive that, you know, they don't think the human life is worth it. Well, that's exactly what, different Batman movie, but that's what happened in Batman Begins. The right. whole, his whole arsenal came from R&D because right. of Lucius Fox and his original suit, he was like, oh, this is a, uh, Nomex uh, armor. That's my Morgan tree. Kevlar. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, he's like, oh, is it bulletproof? He's like, anything but a straight shot. And so right. why'd they discontinue it? He goes, they didn't think a soldier's life was worth $60 million. Yeah, that's the problem is that you, you become ex- expendable. The most important thing is the equipment. That's the more expensive stuff. So, that, you know, even though it may be tough to train a pilot, they'd rather still keep that, you know, $35 million plane than that one guy. You know, like I said, it's a tough kind of balance to maintain that kind of skill level, yet also the same assets. It seems so obvious, right? Because our hearts break whenever a soldier is killed. Yeah. Uh, or dies in the line of duty. But they always play it up as always very seen super patriotic. I mean, our current president wanted to have tanks in his parade and everything. And, you know, somehow, like, you know, having <laughs> missiles and tanks is patriotic, not having, you know, like I said, the actual people, the soldiers. That, yes. to me, would be more patriotic than having, you know, these inanimate objects, you know, that are just, you know, rolling down the street, whether it's, you know, you know, missiles or tanks or whatever. A fucking tank rolling down the street on Inauguration Day would have been scarier than it already was. It just seems more like something that we've done like in the Soviet Union or exactly. in dictatorships in the Middle East or in Africa. Because I don't think it's showing strength to enemies. I think it's showing strength to your own people. Yeah. Be like, hey, don't fall out of line. Right. This is stuff I got. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I actually found out that in 1946, General Dwight Eisenhower, the Army Chief of Staff established the Research and Development Division on the War Department General Staff to expedite major technological breakthroughs in weapons and technology. Science and breakthroughs in science were 100% endorsed so long as there was a way that they could build weapons. Yeah. A lot of miniaturization of circuitry, stuff like that. 
Yeah, a lot of it's done to make it, like you said, a you know a missile that's now the size of a submarine to something that's small enough that now they can have it on the back of a truck. You know what I'm saying? So they're always trying to miniaturize. And yeah, I mean, a lot of it was used for military, used for, used for the space race as well, which has also had military you know, connotations to it because they wanted to show dominance over the next, you know, the next frontier. Well, of course, the arms race and everything. Uh, it's interesting how this this kind of made a preference for qualitative over quantitative uh, superiority on the battlefield. Right. That maybe with enough advancements, we wouldn't even need soldiers. Right. right? That's why you have drones. We have drones now. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and it I think kills this mirror is from your armchair. Exactly. And this is something we spoke about in a recent episode or in a previous episode was that that there there is less empathy there. It's so much easier to to take a life and not worry about civilians if you're just you know piloting a, a drone and then right. Well, you haven't had that separation. You're flying it out of Florida or out of Vegas. You don't have that same thing. So you don't actually physically see the person, which is something that one of uh, JFK's uh, defense secretary said that you need to have that proportionality. You need to have you know that that. You might lose life if you want to continue to destroy the other person because this way then that might stop you from continuing to de- destroy them is because you don't want to keep losing people. So without that now, you just keep going because what are you going to do? You're going to lose a, you know, a remote control plane? No one's going to care. But if you know people's sons are dying so you can kill an extra 10 people, people are going to start complaining and you'll have things like in Vietnam. But this now has that, has that separation where their child is no longer in harm. He's sitting in a chair in some base here in the U.S. blowing up people across the world. They don't care. So you don't have that same kind of sympathy, empathy. You don't have that same kind of proportionality where you said, okay, enough is enough. We don't need to, you know, keep doing this. So it just allows things to kind of get out of hand and just kind of get to such a high and exponential level of destruction that, like you said, you no longer think of them as people. At that point, they're just simply just targets on our screen. Yeah. Well, Chris Kyle was sent in as a, during the war on terror. And I have yet to read the book, and I really want to. But when I watched the movie American Sniper... The one thing that I got out of it was that mankind is not meant to do this. Right. Like, if it was normal, PTSD wouldn't exist. Right. The human mind and, and condition wouldn't be so fucked from taking another person's life if it was normal. There are people that take their own lives because they can't live with the stuff that they've experienced. Right. Well, that's because we've evolved past animals. They have that instinct to kill. They don't have the remorse that they killed the antelope. But, you know, well, see, we have that regret. survival. Right. You know, you you get told you're going overseas to do a certain thing, but do you really know that you're doing it for that purpose? Right. That that, that what you're exactly doing is going to give to that cause. Plus, like I said, it also does give, like I said, that that person a sense of... I think responsibility. Well, yeah, you do have that responsibility. You also have that that feeling of guilt, you know what I'm saying? Like that, like you said, because, you know, since you're fighting in a war, you're on the other side of somebody's scope as well. So you don't want, you know, your mom to be sad that you're gone. You, you know what I'm saying? The same goes the other side. I mean, you're killing somebody's brother, dad, son, yeah. whatever, you know, so you do have that kind of thing that weighs on people, which is, like I said, does lead to a lot of suicides from soldiers that come back that can't deal with the amount of killing that they saw from their friends and also friends that, you know, well, yeah. things that they did. So that's why, I mean, people I've spoken to, they don't like to talk about what happened in Vietnam and other places, you know, because it's, you know, it's like trying to, it's like trying to constantly talk about like a nightmare you've had. And it's just something you just keep reliving in your head a lot of times. In Lex's case, I don't think he ever sees the damage that he causes in trying to kill Superman. And this is this is kind of outside of the movie. Only recently has he really gone toe-to-toe with Superman, in which he gets his kryptonite-powered suit and he's and he's able to stand on equal ground with him. 
But before that, he's the one who's always sponsoring uh, Cadmus and uh, or Argus, as it is in the CW DC universe, uh, to to make all these super soldiers to fight Superman in one uh, comic book, which is really good. It's just called Luther. It's his whole side of it and how he sees Superman as this evil alien. And so he makes this uh, this superwoman, this clone, like not a clone of him, but a superhuman. And I think her name is Hope or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and she's like Metropolis's new protector. She ends up fighting Superman in public as Lex planned it. And the whole time Lex had a plan that she was going to explode. So, wow. yeah, so she explodes, takes out a couple buildings, and all of a sudden it's Superman's fault. And he was absolutely fine with that. He has a, he, Lex Luthor lacks empathy. And the case of Batman v Superman, he makes Doomsday. Right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I was going to say at no, not worrying about the people that could be hurt because of it. But in this movie, they made sure to say that there are not people around at the time. Did you notice that? No, I didn't realize Well, the that. big complaint was that in Man of Steel, all these people were being killed during uh, Zod and uh, Superman's fight. Right. But if you check back on the Doomsday fight in Batman v Superman, you'll actually hear them on news. They're like, oh, good thing in this district, all the buildings are under construction and no one's in there right now. Really? Yeah, I don't remember like, that at all. Oh, it's after the rush hour and nobody's there. I shit you not. Wow. <laughs> uh, but, it, but in most cases, I think, like you, like you said... Lex lacks that. He he lacks that interpersonal uh, touch. And that if he were actually there in the battleground and seeing how people are being affected, seeing how people are hurt. <sighs> Part of me wants to say that he might think differently, but knowing Lex just from the comics and, and everything else, every other sort of media, he is a narcissist and he'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. Because in his mind... The ends justify the means. In his mind, his mission is greater. Kind of similar to Batman in a way. Right, but I think also it also plays into why he always does have that proxy fighting for him. I think that does help protect his ego because he'll never get defeated then. It's always, you know what I'm saying, that project that went wrong. It was whatever. You know, it was never him. I never it was, thought of that. It was that. always him, like, sending, like you said, these different, like you said, but it was, it was like basically with the U.S. versus Soviet Union would never actually fought directly. They would fight through Vietnam, through the Korean War. So they didn't actually fight, but they're really, you know, using these as puppets to actually kind of try to punch each other. But they never actually did. So the U.S. and the Soviets never actually lost to each other. They would just fight in these proxy wars, whether it's in Central America with Honduras or whatever, or Vietnam and Korea and all these places. He's basically doing the same thing. He's basically using these, you know, these straw men, these basically these men to stand up in his place or in case, case a woman to fight on his behalf. And like I said, you know, she was never going to win. She had basically a time bomb in her to use. Yeah. So that was basically his thing. He was never going to – he may lose in that in that fight, but in the battle, he would try oh, to yeah. win by like well, said, as long as getting the blame Superman on him. Look bad, yeah. Right, exactly. And then he gets discredited, and then it helps his case. Did that exist in the case of the war in Iraq, uh, Operation, quote, Iraqi Freedom? We already found a bunch of other stuff that relates to the, <laughs> to the war on terror. So if this is one thing in which we can't find – well, we do use the Iraqi army as as our stand-in because we, we didn't want to send all the troops. I mean, they originally were told it would take over a million troops. So if you substitute in the Iraqi army, which I'm sure they didn't see as the same kind of a loss as it would be for an American, they probably, you know, would maybe see it as like maybe 10 to 1, you know, would maybe be the equivalent they would probably would see because they probably would never see him as an equivalent to an American soldier. So, yeah, I'm sure they would look sort of as like a proxy as like their, you know, toy soldiers descend into battle. 
Oh, of course. Or if they get wiped out, they didn't feel as bad because they didn't have to write letters home to their parents. You know, they just paid the Iraqi government money, you know, for all the different lives they do. Like they do now, if they kill somebody that's, you know, not involved in something, they'll send them a check for X amount of dollars. This is how much your husband was worth. Here you go. Good luck. Interesting. So essentially, it's, yeah, it's just a new way of having somebody else fighting their battles. I mean, they basically did it because they didn't want to put in, you know, the people to do it. So they found somebody else, you know, to essentially do it cheaper and, you know, didn't have to deal with the consequences. Same thing as Lex. They didn't have to deal with the, you know, the backlash of having to have 400,000, you know, dead or injured soldiers coming back. You know, there was, you know, I think, what, 10,000 soldiers, I think, they got killed or something like that. Or and, it was much smaller than uh, Vietnam, which was 80,000 or World oh, War the, II, which was hundreds Iraq, of thousands. Yeah. And, you know, such a smaller amount of, you know, in comparison to other wars, they wouldn't deal with the same kind of blowback. Another great thing you brought up was following up my little bit about Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, when he was finishing out his presidency, he had a speech, a pretty well-known speech that's called the Chance for Peace speech, which it's so funny how he gave it such a while ago, and it still applies to the War on Terror, and it still applies to today, because really we never got out of the War on Terror, right? Well, we never got out of a war footing. It just keeps changing who we're focusing the guns at. <laughs> so there's always a war. Always someone that's a bad guy. There's always there's always a bad guy. Oh, the Soviets, Castro, like you said, Osama, you know, there's always somebody. Do you think we could ever exist without it? Because I think now it would make us face a lot of things we have to deal with at home then, and I don't think they ever want to. That's very true. That's one of my stand-up jokes is... Because North Korea, apparently they threatened us and all this other stuff. And it's like, hey, North Korea is going to have to take a backseat. We're too busy fighting ourselves right now right. to try and fight them. Uh, but Eisenhower, despite establishing the R&D division to make better technological advances, he, as a president, not as a general, also recognized that it's not just about fighting and it's not just about living this life of because he mentions a lot in the speech that it is about fear and it's about force and everything and uh the the one of the famous parts of this is the every gun moment mm-hmm. he says that every gun is made every warship launched every rocket fired signifies in a final sense a theft from those who hunger and are not fed those who are cold and are not clothed this world in arms is not spending money alone it's spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of, of its scientists, the hopes of its children. So just to stop there, that's that's a, where, where we're still at right now, right? We have the impending doom of climate change, which we are already experiencing quite a bit. The ecosystem is fucking failing. And regardless of who ends up winning wars and who ends up having the earth, they're not going to have the earth for long. Right. And we're not listening to the scientists who are telling us that climate change is real and that there's ways to stop it and repair the, the, the ozone layer. We're listening to the scientists who are like, oh, well, this is the best way to kill brown people. Right. Making the Moab. Yeah. 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 The Moab. mother of all bombs. Right. The, did you listen to my set, by the way? No, I haven't About listened to it. Oh, yet. you haven't listened to it? No. Okay. In that case, I won't spoil it. Uh, but that's but that's the case, right? Because we're paying our tax dollars toward the Department of Defense to to keep building this stuff. I would much rather have my tax dollars go to a better educated next generation. I would much rather yeah, have my universal tax- pre K. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or go to the people that we see every day in New York City that are on the streets, because that doesn't have to be the case. Right. Well, it wasn't always the case. 
you know, before they closed all the, the psychiatric wards and stuff like that, yeah, you didn't have homelessness like that in the 40s and 50s from that, you know, from that kind of a cause. It's more for, you know, they've, you know, lost their farm and stuff so they had no place to stay. Whereas now it's mostly people that have a lot of mental issues that they haven't dealt with. So they mm-hmm. get in trouble, so they end up in jail, then they get out and they're just on the streets. Or it's soldiers that aren't getting the, the services they need, so they end up oh, on yeah. the streets. So, yeah, it's, it's more so out of just a misplaced, you know, use of money and assets. You know, like you said, instead of curing, you know, cancer and curing all these other problems, and it's more, like I said, how can we kill people? How do we kill them more efficiently? You know, how can we create these big remote control planes that fly across the world to kill people? You know, so it's, it's like, you said, like you said, every dollar you spend on a bullet is not a dollar spent on a, on a child's future. That's right. And he mentions that uh, the cost of one modern heavy bomber is a modern brick school in more than 30 cities. It's two electric power plants, each serving a town of 60,000 people. It's two fine, fully equipped hospitals. It is some 50 miles of concrete highway. We pay for a single fighter plane with a half million bushels of wheat. We pay for a single destroyer with new homes that could have housed more than 8,000 people. This, I repeat, is the best way of life to be found on the road the world has been taking. This is not a way of life at all in any true sense. Under the cloud of threatening war, it is humanity hanging from a cross of iron. And he earlier he relates it to the to to the Soviet life, way of life that's been forged by 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 force and fear. And I think it's kind of the case of if you look into the abyss long enough, the abyss starts staring back into you. Yeah, you that's kind why of, they have such a negative, you know, a negative look on things when you talk to someone that's from the old Soviet Union. You know, they always lived. I'm saying, at least here, you had you may have except you're spending all this money on this stuff, and but you still had your blue jeans, you still had your TV shows, you still had some luxuries and things that made your life good. You could still go see the Yankees or go see Broadway play. But in the Soviet Union, they put all that money and trying to keep up with us in the arms race, and they don't have the economy like we had. So they basically would end up with bread lines, end up with you know food, you know food shortages yeah. and lack of places to live and. You know what I'm saying? You had to be in lotteries to get apartments and stuff like that. So you, you had a more even more of a hardship. So for them, they looked at it as, as a very different, you know, sacrifice. We saw it as a small sacrifice because you still live pretty well. Whereas them, they sacrificed and they're basically living, you know what I'm saying, subsistently, just, you know, week to week or whatever it happens to be. So they had a much, you know, harder side of it to kind of keep up. And in the case of Batman v Superman, we see Bruce Wayne and Alfred wants him to have a life outside of being Batman. He says, "Oh, did you find a woman at the party that's finally going to make you honest?" And and uh, and and he knows that Bruce is on a terrible path if he has nothing else but the mission. Right, he needs something to soften him, right. something to live for besides just wanting to do more. Exactly, because what otherwise? What are you fighting for? Right, who are you fighting for? Who's whose future are you making better? You know, what I'm saying he doesn't have the kids yet. He doesn't have the wife. Yeah. So yeah, so he needs he needs something that gives him something to look forward to to have a future for. Absolutely. Uh, another big player in this is the Daily Planet because they, they signify the media because apparently people still get their, get their news from newspapers. Uh, <laughs> well, they must it, it, because we always see that guy right by Penn Station who's always New York Times. You right. Know, that oh, dude. Yeah. Always. So he still has a job, right? Yeah. Some people like to have that, you know, the feel of the paper in their hands. That's very true. Uh, so the the Daily Planet in this case is a it's a legitimate news source in the movie and it's outlived its glory days. 
Clark says that they decide who is and who isn't important by printing certain stories. Uh, he, he says, oh, well, you're not talking about the people in Gotham that are getting hurt by the Batman, or you're, instead you want me to cover football and all this other stuff. What is your take on that? How do you, do you feel that that's what the media does? And in, in the case of the, the invasion of Iraq and everything, where was the media focusing? Well, it does it in everyday life. I mean, you could see it in the past election, focusing more on Clinton's emails than as opposed to, like, uh, Russia connections. I, I think the media does a... I don't think, I know. They 100% all the time decide who are the victims and who aren't. Oh, and you can see this when they have events happen in the pictures they put up. You know, whether it's, you know, they showed the kid in his prom picture or is it one of his pictures with his friends when he's acting like an idiot? You know, mm -hmm. when you show, show that, that's when you know, you know, when they've taken a side. Like, like we were saying, when, when they talk about how they decide who, you know, who is good and who is not good and stuff like that, they do essentially take sides. And you can tell just by the simple things that they do, by the way they address them. Do they address them as... You know what I'm saying? The alleged, or you know what I'm saying? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the, the, the different. Or prisoner number 503. Right. Or, or, or you know what I'm saying? Or if something simple happens, but they bring up the fact that he got in trouble with something else five years ago. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Whereas, you know, if there was anybody else, they wouldn't, they wouldn't bring it up. Yeah. And this know? is there's a topic for another podcast, but in the case of Freddie Gray, right? Freddie Gray got his spine shattered and, and was thrown around the back of a van by Baltimore police and was killed. But he was also a drug dealer. Right. So that's so that made it okay, despite the fact that if you look into Freddie Gray's past, there's a lot of stuff systematically that has been fucking this guy over since the beginning. That sometimes the only choice he had might have been to sell some drugs here and there. Right. You know, some people just made it out. A lot of a lot of you know Jay Z. Jay Z right. sold drugs. Yeah. You got to get money. You got to get studio time, and he was just lucky enough to be one of the people that made it. Right. That didn't get sucked in, into the system and get eaten up by it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in the case of the, the Islamophobia surrounding, which, like you said, we're still in the war on terror, we always talk about the, the victims who, so long as they're Americans and so long as they're Christians. Right. Because in the, there have been cases where ISIS was killing people in Egypt and they were like, oh, well, they're killing Christians in Egypt. But guess what? All those Christians were brown people. And that wasn't really noticed. Or, oh, there was a bomb in Pakistan that killed 30 people. Two of them were Americans. Right. Uh, you know, you don't, they, they don't talk about the, the person that was perceived to be a Muslim and was, and was, and was victimized. Right. Like a Sikh because he's wearing a head wrap. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they, they do decide who's important. They do put different values on people. Like I said, when you look at the different, Ways they portrayed in the news, you know, whether they call them, you know, they call them thugs or something like that or different ways of, of labeling people and, and creating basically their own little caricature, their own little portrait, the way people are being presented. Like I said, whether they're showing them in their tuxedo for their prom or they're showing them, you know, in their mugshot or they're showing them in some picture with their friends and they're horsing around and not in the not most positive light. You know, they'll always kind of shape the way that people are looked at. Like I said, whether it's, you know, someone that's here that does something wrong, or like I said, or it's, when you're even talking about people that die in, let's say, in Iraq, they'll never go in like, oh, you know what I'm saying? The person that died wasn't just a person that died. It was, you know, the doctor in the village, or it was the leader, or you know what I'm saying? It was, you know what I'm saying? They, they never give the weight of that loss. So they're always like, oh, you know, they always estimate there's like a half a million people that died in Iraq. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Did you kill a lot of the scientists? You know what I'm saying? There are people that could be killed that could really devastate a country. You know what I'm saying? It could be like a lot of the people that are, you know, working in university. So they could, affect the education of the country for years to come. Well, the thing is in America, we don't, we don't realize 
that other countries are other countries. Let me elaborate. So another country, let's say Mexico, because there's this whole thing with Trump, right? They may hate Donald Trump, but they don't hate America. Right. The thing is, we hate Afghanistan. But there's it's a whole country. There's a bunch of people there, and a, and a right. small population of them are terrorists. Right. It, my girlfriend's cousin was telling me that when he was um, – I think he was in Afghanistan when, when he was there, uh, he, they were under mortar fire and he was fucking hugging the guy next to him because they didn't know if they were going to make it out. And he goes, here I am, a white Christian hugging, you know, uh, an Afghani Muslim. He goes, because we weren't fighting Muslims, we were fighting Al Qaeda. Right. And that's, and he's on the front lines and he can make that distinction. Yet we believe that, oh, you drop a bomb in Afghanistan, you're killing bad people. No, you're not. You, you gotta make sure that you're hitting the right, you got to make sure that you're hitting the right people. Right, the right targets. Otherwise, you end up creating more of them because you end up killing innocent people. Then people want to avenge their death just like anybody else would. Well, exactly. You create a bunch of little Batmans. Right, exactly. You know? So you end up multiplying the problem because you killed one person, but you killed five more. You know, it's essentially it's like Hydra. You cut off one head, two grow back. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Eventually, you're getting... You're creating a bigger problem you're than you had. You're making your own enemies. And, you, and you're, it's, it's growing exponentially. And then you have people that are coming from other countries that are saying, oh, I don't like what they're doing there. They did it in Iraq. They did it in Afghanistan. And when's my country next? And they start getting involved. They're coming from Chechnya or wherever. And people just keep piling in. And like you said, now they someone there dies and then they got their cousin coming from that country. Yeah. Now, so it just kind of builds. When we're talking about terrorism in the United States, you also see that that is, is very selectively uh, labeled. Right. How... Now, a good job was done recently, and I'll explain, but most times if a mass shooting is committed or an act of terror is committed, that person is brown, they are automatically a terrorist, and they are most likely part of ISIS. Right. And part of that's on us, but another part of it's on ISIS because they'll fucking take credit for anything. Right. They were the worst person to work in a group project with. <laughs> They're like, oh, which one of you made this graft and did and did all the research? And ISIS would be like, oh, that was us. Right. We <laughs> we did we did all that stuff. Uh, but meanwhile, you have a white man who who goes and does a mass shooting or uh, like literally. I want to say it was a couple of years ago. It's all blended together for me. But there was a white man who went to an airport and had a machete and he pepper sprayed people and he was chasing people around with a machete and he had a bunch of uh, like explosives in his car trunk. Mentally ill. Right. That's not terror at all. Labeled as mentally ill. Which is unfair to the mentally ill community, too, because they're not all fucking violent. Right. Well, it's the same, like I said, when we compared the, the crack epidemic to the current heroin epidemic. Yeah. Same kind of thing. He's given the benefit of the doubt. He's yes. not doing it for negative things. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with that man. Just like when the, the guy shot up the, the church, the AME Dylan church. Roof. Right. Down, yeah. down south. Same kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? They turn that around and you have a Muslim walking in there and now, you know what I'm saying? It's Boom. There's a you know, whole worldwide organization. He's right. not a lone wolf. You know, meanwhile, white supremacists are a worldwide organization. Right. And that kid was a part of it. He had yeah. the pictures of him wearing the garb and the, the patches and stuff yeah. like that. Well, not even just that. I mean, half of them claim it, but they're not actually members. I mean, if I could like shoot somebody on my street and I say, yeah, I did it for the Bonanno family. Does it mean I'm really into mafia? No. It means I'm an idiot that, you know, maybe looks up to because I watched Godfather too much. Yeah. And I'm trying to impress them. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that kid really you know, had any interaction with the, these groups that they, yeah. you know, always claim it as ISIS? What did he do? He looked at a website? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did, did he, you know, he didn't show he wasn't in Afghanistan doing the monkey bars that they always show in the videos. Well, it was like the Orlando shooting. Right. Exactly. He, he said ISIS and then it was something I actually spoke about in the first 
uh, the first episode of the Politipop podcast, in which ISIS accepted him before they found out that he was actually gay. Right. And, like, I feel like they were probably like, shit! Right. <laughs> we were so Missed that in the screening process. We were so fast to accept him, right. because he was like, I'm part of ISIS, boom, and then he went and did what right. he did. Well, he said they were also willing to take any take any kind of, you know, credit for anything that happens. They're so desperate for, you know what I'm saying, popularity to show that they're doing stuff so they can put it on a board and get more people that they can recruit from other places. That I wouldn't take half of that stuff that they would say to begin with as legitimate because, like you said, yeah. they're just like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's with us. He's with, you know, the you know Alpha chapter. You know, you yeah. open up a new chapter over the there. The storm could fucking hit. And yeah, like, oh, yeah, exactly. Us, that we was did ISIS. It. Yeah. We did it. It was totally ISIS. Exactly. So, like I said, so you, you yeah. know, you got to kind of. You know, give a certain amount of weight to whether or not it's that you know legitimate. Did the person ever travel to this area to possibly get trained? But like we said, anybody can claim it. anything. We want to believe it. We're so quick to believe it. Well, I think we this also helps us give us a little bit of, of like peace of mind because if he's part of a bad group, all right, we can go after that group. But if, like I said, if it's just straight evil person that's just running around shooting people, then that scares a lot yeah. more people. So, in the case of the white supremacist that stabbed a man, do you remember that? No. So it was uh, it was a few weeks ago, and I think it was actually in New York. There was a white supremacist who came to New York City, and he was looking to kill uh, young black men who, like, laid down with white women. Like, that was his big thing. And instead, he practiced by taking out – it wasn't a sword, but it wasn't a knife. It was, like, in between, a long blade, and he stabbed this homeless man. The man managed to make it to the police department, the precinct, and then he, pa- and then he passed out and died. Wow. The man that did that, the New York Times, or was it the Post? One of the New York uh, periodicals had spent the whole time talking about how this guy was so well-dressed. Like, oh, if you see him, he's got on these sweet, uh, sexy shoes and then are nice slacks that are just a great cut. And, uh, and you know, he's wearing a button-down shirt. You know, like, he's, like, looking really good. His hair's combed over to the right side. Everything's looking great. As for the guy that he killed, uh, he used to, you know, he has priors because he, he smoked pot once. Like, that was it. But despite that, the man's act later on when he was finally uh, convicted was labeled as an act of terror. Really? Which is awesome. It's such an improvement. Well, yeah, well, because it, it is done to terrorize a population. That's, that's what he was looking to do. Like, he was looking, like you said, to eventually scare young black men that date, you know, non-black women. Yeah. So, essentially, he's trying to commit a terrorist act to get not a political, but more, more of a social power. Yeah. But the thing is, white supremacy is a terror is, – is terrorism. The KKK is a terrorist organization. Right. Yeah. And that's it. I, I don't give, say what you want about freedom of speech, but they're they're a terrorist organization. Oh, certainly. Like I said, and then does he have any other one? Like they walked down the streets in D.C. They got you know they went to court. They got the right to march in full garb down D.C. I mean, you had the, the Nazi party having rallies in Madison Square Garden in the forties. So you know it is you know here you're allowed to you know speak even if it is hate speech. You are allowed to speak, but like I said, you know it should be labeled as that. You know it's it shouldn't be any kind of wavering because it comes from a certain you know a certain group westboro baptist church is a legitimate hate group now well the, the way that they yeah the way they go out i mean they don't I'm pretty do sure the same things labeled. well yeah the, theirs is more i would say rhetoric though they're not like the the kkk where they're, where they're blowing up you know as churches far as i know they killing people they have not but i would not doubt that once again this is me reaching i have not looked it up i do not have proof yet but I would not doubt that they have helped spark the, uh, or, or continue to fan the flames of homophobic hatred. Another player in this game, Doomsday. Doomsday ends up being brought about by Lex Luthor. He ends up 
being the common enemy that Batman and Superman team up together to fight. What do you think he represents? I think he can represent a couple of different things. I think the the corruption of science. He can represent the use of science instead of for good for evil. So instead of using it to cure polio, you're using it to create the atomic bomb and kill people. Okay. So in that sense, he also he also could be looked at as the like the rage and the power of the of the military on how it's unleashed onto people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they always, you know, when they always talk about, you know, things, it's shock and awe. It's always, you know what I'm saying? This like always categorizing in a way of force and power. And, and Doomsday is basically the personification of that. Well, like in this case, I think that, that Doomsday represents the radical ideals of anything. Because like I said, my, my girlfriend's cousin, he was over there fighting Al-Qaeda, but he wasn't fighting Muslims. Right. And you had the Muslims and you had the U.S. that, you know, that were working together to fight Al-Qaeda, mm-hmm. which in this case is really, holy shit, way to go, Mike. All right. In this case, you have Batman, who's the U.S., you have Superman, who's the other, and Doomsday is a Kryptonian who was taken to another level. So he's kind of like that radical Kryptonian terrorism, right? Okay. So they're both coming together to fight it. So Superman becomes the moderate Muslim? Something of the sort, yeah. Okay. Or 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 whatever whatever it is. There's um there's always there's always some sick bastardization of something, right? Right. Christianity has the KKK and the Westboro Baptist Church. Right. Spanish Inquisition. Uh, yeah, or the fucking Irish Republican Army, right? right. Uh, you have um the Jedi have the Sith. Right. You have uh I don't want to say that the black community has the Black Panthers, and here's why I'll say that. Because the Black Panthers came out of a place of good. They did some bad things. Well, they started the breakfast program. Exactly. It wasn't all about destruction. It was about defense and about, you know, at no point did the KKK launch a breakfast program. Right. (laughs) 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 They're like, you know, serving white foods. They're like, all right, we got your crackers. We got your milk. Uh, You know, we have our pancakes that aren't too browned on either side. And we're serving it to (laughs) poor white children. I think their whole thing was all... Was all hate, but do, I think Doomsday represents that radical, that radicalism that's that's capable in all of us. That's why I would say that world peace will come when you know when aliens invade. Yes, because we'll have somebody else to hate besides other Earthlings. Have so <laughs> it, it's the same kind of thing. They, it gave them the, the common common enemy, like you said. It's from the corruption of you know what I'm saying of something that was that was originally, I guess you could say, good because Zod on his planet, you know, did have a role that was supposed to be positive. He's supposed to help you know maintain their world. Now he's been corrupted into a you know. Well, not as radical here. as it was, and then even more so, he just became a weapon that was unleashed by Lex Luthor. Right. Yeah, uh, I think that we do. I think that we do have a modern doomsday, but I don't think we've come together to fight it the way Batman and Superman have. I'll say it again. I think it's climate change, and. Uh, a whole other episode would be on Game of Thrones because I pretty much related. I've done the same philosophical analysis of Game of Thrones that they're all worried about who sits on that chair, who killed who, and how to rise and become better. But Jon Snow is the only one who's like, guys, there's a fucking army of the dead that's north of the wall, right. and I've seen it. They're ready to kill all of us. Right? Yeah. And that's and that's the case here. It doesn't it doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter. Who wins what war? It doesn't. Uh, none of that matters because this earth isn't going to be here for the winner. Right. 
And we're alienating a lot of people because there are great scientists all around the world. But because we have so much tension, the greatest minds in the U.S. can't interact with the greatest minds in um, in, in Russia or Afghanistan or, or, or right, Iran. Yeah. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. And it certainly does limit you. You have all these resources and they're not being, like you said, focused on the, the, the main problem, like you said, which is the climate change. It's, it's being focused on the things that may not be as important. Like I said, the best minds that are graduating, they, you know what I'm saying? A lot of them are going to Wall Street to be able to create these algorithms to figure out faster trading instead of this guy going yeah. in and trying to, like you say, figure out problems, like you said, with climate change or, Getting rid of ep- epidemics that are going on and solving, you know, cures mm-hmm. for different diseases. So th- these assets are being allocated in the wrong places because we're focusing on, like I said, more petty things, like in the Game of Thrones sense and who's and who's in charge of that. It's kind of like what happened with Rome. They're busy fighting over who's going to be in charge of Rome. Meanwhile, Genghis Khan is, you know, killing people, or you have the hordes, yeah. you know, the vandal hordes coming out of Spain that eventually barbarians that take over and. They're so busy fighting that little thing that they don't realize that everything is crumbling around them. Yeah, or in our case, how much panic is being caused over immigration when when so many of the Nobel Peace Prize winners have been immigrants, right? And and like they're amazing minds. They're I I honestly do think that in America we don't see other people as people unless we've traveled the world, unless we've met other people, unless we've right. been in relationships with these people. Because if you have someone that speaks bad English, you think they're kind of goofy and you think they're funny. Or not as smart. Exactly. You're not as smart. But they just don't have a command over the language. That's it. Of another language. Exa- over our language. Right. They could be a fucking genius. Well, sometimes a lot of – like especially with us and, and what we do with people come from other countries with degrees – and we just don't respect them. Oh well, yeah. We see it as, oh, you went to medical school in India? Well, here you could be, you know, our janitor or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like things of like, you know, people that come from Russian, you know, from Russia that come here with degrees in sciences and they can't get jobs in those areas because they don't, we don't see it, you know, because we yeah. think, oh, oh, ours is the best. If they don't have a degree from Harvard, they can't possibly do it right. So they, I'm saying there's no, you know, ability to see, like I said, the good and the quality and what they're doing because what we see is always has to be the best. Yes. What do you think Wonder Woman represents? I think she represents the third way that women bring to things, a way of doing things differently. Okay. I, I, I think that that's what she brings. She brings a different way. Like, think is when you see when she originally is kind of introduced, she shows up at the, the gala with, with Bruce and Clark, and she's kind of, you know, doing her own little subversive thing. She steals, she steals Batman's rec- uh, data that he, that he hacks. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of trying to do things. In a way that's not as obvious, because obviously Superman's tracking Batman going down yeah. and taking it. She, he doesn't, he never tracks her. She's never yeah. on anybody's radar till the very end when they're fighting Doomsday. No one ever realizes this girl's around. I thought she was with you. Yeah, exactly. Which, no, you didn't, Batman. You knew for a fucking fact <laughs> that she wasn't with him. But that's beside oh, come the on, point. It's a great catch line. That's uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but she's actually ready to go back to Themyscira too. Right. Until she sees what Doomsday is unleashing and decides to come and fight. Right. I'm not I'm not sure if she I'm not sure I, I obviously she represents femininity and she represents women and represents a different way. But if we're relating it to the current state of, of the war on terror and fear of of the other. I'm not so sure we found her yet. I'm not so sure Wonder Woman has come to help us yet. 
No, because she would be the person that, in order to solve it, will be solving it on the lower social level and fixing the problems that, that lead to it. Yeah. Whereas they're always constantly dealing with the consequences. I think she'd be the one that would want to go in and build the school for girls and just way they're educated and start solving the problems before they become problems. Well, which I, is what a mom would do. Exactly. I think that the – Dad great, kills the bugs. Mom finds out where <laughs> the bugs are coming from and deals with that. Well, there you go. The great dico- – brilliant, brilliant fucking uh, metaphor there. Uh, but I think that the, the great dichotomy about Wonder Woman is that she is a creator – but she's also a warrior. She is the only one out of all of them. Fucking Superman's dad was a scientist. Right. Batman's dad was a doctor. They both created and helped and healed. Wonder Woman is the way of war. And yet, she is the best hero because she's she's all about creating. She's about self-empowerment. Right. Her in in in, in this movie, in her case. She she's the one that saved Batman, right? She's the oh, one yeah. that held off Doomsday while Superman was recovering from the nuke right. that fucking hit them. She's she is the real MVP. Oh, certainly. And in in our world, the real MVP is education and science. Right. Being able to to build a more sustainable future instead of to destroy things. Right. I mean, even if even. Guess what? I do understand that this isn't a perfect world. I do understand that sometimes you have to kill people. I've wanted to kill people so many times in traffic. I couldn't even tell you. But my thing isn't is just kill the right people. If we have all this money that's being put into science and everything right now, being put into R&D and being put into the defense budget and the military industrial complex, there doesn't have to be a need for for collateral damage on that scale. Right. But in order to do that, you have to put people in harm's way, which is what they're always looking to avoid. So you need to put a sniper That's in that true. area where he kills the one guy, but they'd rather send the drone that kills everybody in the wedding party. Yeah. Or uh, or Yemen. Uh, or Wonder Woman is the person that wants us to let refugees in. Right. Wonder Woman is the person that wants us to let refugees in, and the people that don't want that are the ones that wait, and then they go, <gasps> Did you know that children are being killed in chemical uh, chemical attacks? Their own people, they're being killed. Well, guess fucking what? They wouldn't have gotten killed if they had been allowed into the country in the first place. Right. I don't think people, they, they conflate refugees with illegal immigrants. That's not the case. In order to gain refugee status, it's the most legal form of immigration there is. Right. And there's a whole lot of hurdles you got to get through. It takes years to get, you know, placed out of the refugee camps, which they always show the millions of people on the water of Jordan or whatever. They always show the huge amount of people that are in them. And it takes years to get out of it, to go through screening. People are like, oh, there's nothing to screen. Like, but if you go through the, you know, different processes they have, there is a great deal of screening because they do have they have to provide so their own documents. It's like a couple of years worth yeah. of screening in order right. to, in order to become a refugee and gain refugee status. Right, and like I said, and then at that point, then it's like a lottery of what country you go to. You could be sent to, you know, a neighboring country. You could well, be yeah. sent to Australia. I mean, like I said, so everybody's all worried that everybody comes here. I'm like, so no, very few you, come here. So even if you were a terrorist, you're like, all right, it's time, death to America. Here we go. fuck Australia. Shit, they don't even right. Have yeah, guns. exactly. You end up like, in like <laughs> Sri Lanka or something. Who knows? <laughs> Imagine just like if there are terrorists that are refugees, like they're all there waiting together, like waiting for the Powerball, and they're like, "All right," and Muhammad's going to Germany, and they're like, "Fuck, oh right. damn it," you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I said, it, it's you know, what I'm saying like I said, essentially, it's like a lottery, you know, of where they get sent to. So there's no, you know I'm saying the idea, like I said, you send all these people to America, they don't get sent to America, they get you know, it's a lottery pick. So 
you would need to flood that system with so many people in order yeah. to beat the odds, like you said, of getting that one lottery ball that, you know what I'm saying, you'd have nobody left to fight on the field. Yeah. You're sending them all to this to this one place. Yeah, I think, I think Wonder Woman is just the smart end of this. Wonder Woman is what happens if we... If we do unite, Wonder Woman allows us to, to to work together to fix climate change, to fix world world hunger. Uh, because she's, you know what? Because she's not involved with the bullshit throughout. Like you said, she was working undercover the whole movie until the end when it was like, all right, Doomsday's here. Now I know it's my time to get involved. Right. Uh, we're not. So in our world, all the bullshit is is the politics of it. Right. It's the, it's the, oh, well, you know, should we be doing, should, should we worry about ab- abortion and all this other stuff where I don't feel that that is a bullshit thing to do, but there are so many ways to prevent that, right? We have, we just invested more in birth control and stuff like that. Right. Uh, which that, that's, that's, that's a whole other debate. I obviously am pro-choice. Uh, but the long story is the, the long and the short of it is that if we just focus more on creating instead of destroying, then that then then we would be able to fight that doomsday. We would right. be able to fight that radical force. Right. If we were able to educate more people, we would be able to fight. There would there be radicals some, but I honestly how many how many times do you see the stories on Facebook of this man was in the KKK and then he met a black person. And now he's not like, right. it, you know, there's, 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 there's so many ways to solve these. Right. But it's always easier and more profitable to destroy though. Yes. In the short term. Cause you get whatever's out of it that you're destroying. So whether you're a coal company, you, you know, you've basically mountain topped and you've taken the top off yeah. the mountain, you sucked out all the coal. It's a lot cheaper. You know what I'm saying? Then having to do it in a way that's like I said, purely constructional. You have to go out and get them. All right. We got to make an entire solar field, you know, solar farm. Out in the middle of nowhere, and then, like I said, then build the infrastructure to get the power from that open area to the, you know, to you, closer to where the civilization is, where the cities are. So like I said it's always easier to destroy. So that's why it's always the first choice. But then they also then get make money then on rebuilding it. Then they get paid to put back the dirt and put grass on it, even though everything's been turned up inside inside out inside the mountain. So it's no longer, no you know, consistent fertile. with the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So that goes perfectly into the next thing. There's a story of uh, the flood. Where Superman walks up into the snowy mountains for some reason. Does he grow a beard again? I don't know if he grows a beard again. But he walks up into the snowy mountains to go and find himself or whatever. And he sees his father. Who tells him this story that like there was a great flood. And and uh, and him and his own father managed to save the farm by, by digging out trenches. And they dug all night. And... Uh, and they and and they were able to redirect the flood down away from everything, and they were able to save themselves and save their own farm. And the mom made him a cake, and he goes, "Well, I was eating my hero cake. It turns out that whole flood went and ruined the Langs farm." Right, a lot of Langs family. What 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 do you think that pertains to? What do you think that represents? Probably our industrialization, how, you know, we got the great cake, we built this great economy, we can make cars, we can do everything, and we basically we're destroying the, you know, the small little islands in the Pacific that are going under now, and, you know what I'm saying, that the shore of, you know, Sri Lanka and those kind of coastal areas in India that are getting deluged with monsoons, and like I said, we, we, we you know, we saved ourselves economically by doing all this, but the economic damage we're doing to these other countries where sometimes there's no country left... 
we said that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and we went in there, and oh, it always ends up being about the oil, right? I think that that's kind of the flood story, that we made ourselves feel better. You have the whole courtesy of the red, white, and blue, where Toby Keith just talks about putting a boot in their ass and, and, and getting them back and everything, and lighting them up like the 4th of July. That didn't solve anything. It didn't make anything better. It's just... It was just something that, that was temp- to temporarily relieve the flood. Right. And in well, that- it's like launching the 59 missiles at, at Syria. You know what I'm saying? It didn't do anything to get rid of Assad, but made some people made made them some people feel better. Yeah. That they blew up, you know, the you know, the runways where they were the planes to go off of. They were fixed in like two or three days. But yeah. like you said, it gave them a temporary, you know, feel a better feeling. That they've yeah. they've done something. They've you and know they didn't do anything to save those children. Right. Not, none of the none of the bands were a lot of the people that did it were brought to justice or killed. I mean, they basically just blew up, you know, asphalt, you know, yeah, plane runways. Yeah. Now, if anyone listening to this has any ideas of what these things represent to you, what does Lex represent, Wonder Woman, Doomsday, the Flood story, or even Batman and Superman, we could be we could be missing the mark here. You could have a completely different idea of it. Feel free, like I said, to. To, to reach out to us, politipopcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at politipoppod. Yeah, that's the only two ways you can get. <laughs> you, get you, can, you can reach out to us. Uh, so lastly, there was Batman's whole monologue where, let me see if I can, if I can do it well enough and reach the deadness in his voice. <clears throat> Men are still good. We fight, we kill, we betray one another, but we can rebuild, we can do better, we will, we have to. My question to you, Mr. Joe, Mighty Joe Young, is can we? It's a great notion, but can we, in the superhero world and comic books, there's always something Oh, a new threat. There's always something. Right. Can we do better as people, as, as, as humanity, as Americans? Can we Can we wash all the blood off our hands from this betraying and killing and all this stuff? Oh, uh, well, I don't know if you want to wash it off because you do want to have that memory so you don't forget that mistake. But blood is sticky on your hands, Well, though. it stains. That's why so you don't it's forget. It's kind of icky. But I think you can. I mean, like, if you look at all the different larger societies that have crashed, whether it's like Babylon, Rome, British Empire, we've always come back in a newer version. You know what I'm saying? Now we're the, we replaced the British Empire. We took over the world economy. We're now the powerhouse militarily. So yes, yeah, so there will be, there will be another iteration that comes through. You know what? I don't know what that when will be, but it'll always be the newer, bigger, better, faster version. Of something because they'll try to learn from the mistakes of the past. So they'll, you know, us, we create, you know, a representative democracy over a monarchy in England who built over, you know, the dictators that they had at, at the end of Rome. You know, it's always building on, we've built on the kings of, you know, Persia and other groups that came before them. They'll always build on something next. I mean, what it'll be, I don't know, maybe we'll have a council of elders or who knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do, I do have a lot of faith in the next generation because they are more exposed to a lot of things. I personally used to have a lot more conservative views. I would, you know, I, I was not a feminist. I was, 
kind of racist. I was very homophobic and everything until you actually get exposed to that stuff. Right. And you realize that there are other people in the world. So I, I do have faith that when this is putting it bluntly, the people in power die that the newer generation will will be able to to start fixing things. Right. Well, I think they'll look at things differently. Like, certainly in my grandmother's time, my father's, I guess maybe a little bit in mine, but certainly not now. It's changing. If something needed, needed to be fixed, you'd be like, all right. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, it would be fixed by some white guy. Some white guy was going to invent something. He invented the vaccine for polio or whatever. He was some white guy was going to fix it. Now, I think they'll be looking at it more towards a woman could do it. You know, some kind of minority could do it. Some, you know what I'm saying? A religious minority. I think they'll be open to a bigger group of people that could possibly do things. And I think also, I think it's, I think science has taken a grip more of the younger generation where I think there'll be, like I said, the people that'll be in charge more will be scientists and engineers and not, well, I hope, as opposed to <laughs> lawyers yes. and, you know, stuff like that where them saying there'll be more stuff based on, you know, evidence and fact and not based on, you know what I'm saying? Having some guy that's a fast talker that can talk people into stuff or, you know what I'm saying? Get people to do things for other reasons than for what's, it's what's best for their own. Yeah. What's best for everybody. You know what I'm saying? And not even selling people short might be like, oh, you know, you do this, you'll screw them, but you'll end up looking great. You know what I'm saying? They'll be more of a, more inclusive because they won't see people, they won't have the otherization of, of as many groups, hopefully not any. But it'll certainly be a lot less. Well, that's what Neil so Tyson says too. Right, right. I, I, I agree. Like I said, I watch I watch more of the show than the, the podcast of of Star, Star Talk, Talk, and yeah. he talks about that a lot. That yeah, like I said, like, like especially like himself. You know, what I'm saying being a young black guy that came out of the Bronx to now be in charge of the the Rose Planetarium. You know, in one of the biggest yeah. planetariums in the country. You know, what I'm saying if someone would have told you know, what I'm saying Albert Einstein that I'm sure in 1930 that the guy that's in charge of the planetarium is a black guy, he'd be like, you're insane. There's no yeah. way that's possible. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, the, how times have changed, I think it'll continue to go that way. And eventually we'll have, like, you know, a, you know, black, Muslim, transgender woman that's in yeah. charge of the planetarium. Which, like I said, if you would have told Neil deGrasse Tyson that, now nah, he'd be like, no way. <laughs> like, what? But in 40 years, like I said, as time goes on, like I said, because, you know, they have more friends that are different, different yeah. kinds of people than themselves. You're being very optimistic. And you're saying that we can rebuild and we can do better because... We're, we're in an upswing of, uh, of cultural diversity. And I don't mean cultural to mean ethnic. I mean cultural to mean everything. Right. That people are being exposed to more things. People are becoming more accepting of each other. Right. And in doing so, people become more accepting of ideas. Yeah. And ideas blossom. Right. I also think it's just like it almost sounds like it's like the rules for economics that over, over time, the stock market will always go up because all the bad companies die. So over time all these bad ideas of, you know, eugenics of, you know, I can tell if you're going to be a criminal by the shape of your head and yeah. all that kind of stuff eventually falls away and eventually it comes down to a more pure thing of you're seeing people for the value that they are yeah. or what they provide that, you know, I'm saying regardless of what color you are, religion you are, you know, sexual orientation, whatever, what matters is what you bring to the table. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, so when you have someone like, uh, like the movie they made recently about the scientists from NASA, you know what I'm saying? That won't be as weird that they were these black women helping to calculate, you know, the re-entry, hidden figures, hidden right, hidden figures, figures and entry, you know, exit and re-entry into the atmosphere. It's, you know, why would it not be a couple of black women? That's not as any foreign as being a bunch of white guys or a bunch of Asian guys or, you know what I'm saying, a mix of all of them. And it, you yeah. know. Well, the thing is, there have always been these things, but they just haven't been publicized. They've been squashed down. So, uh, 
black people or some the black community brought so many inventions to the world. Oh, certainly. And uh, and it just it just wasn't something that was. Well, the thing the thing is they just don't put it in the history books. So you'll learn about it's very true. You know, Eli Whitney inventing the cotton gin, but air conditioning was invented by a black guy. I mean, yeah. People use that much more than the cotton gin. Why do they know Eli Whitney, but not the guy that invented, you know, air conditioning? You know what? I actually, uh, you're right. My cotton gin's been collecting dust for a little while. Yeah, I yeah, figured I'd break it out once in a while. Put it up on Craigslist, you know. But you know, the the monotony of life, the nine to five, the paperwork. Right. I hear you. Um, any uh, any last thoughts, uh, Joe? This is the. I hope it's not the last episode I'll have you on, but this is the last. Finally, <laughs> the last part of our Batman v Superman and the War on Terror coverage. The the last part of it. Any any thoughts following all of this? I hope that people, you know, as you know, I guess a lot of people say we're like the golden age of comic book movies. That people just don't look at them as just mindless, you know, movies of like guys in capes and tights and running around. And that you know, a lot of them do have a lot of great messages, address very important issues. And that there is more to it. It's not as simplistic as a lot of people see. That it's not just a guy swimming around a web or a guy flying with a cape or a guy with really cool gadgets. It's, you know what I'm saying, it's, a lot of it is metaphor for society. A lot of it's metaphor for, you know what I'm saying, whether it's, you know, foreign policy or whatever it happens to be. That's, a lot of it is a retelling of things that we do, but telling it in a way that especially children That's can it. understand it. And it's more acceptable to us that way, too. Right. Because if they came out and yeah. they started lecturing to you, you'd, you'd you know, you'd zone like, out real quick and be like, I don't want to listen to this crap. Yeah. But like I said, if you're hearing it from, you know what I'm saying, whoever happens to be, you know, Professor X and talking about the X-Men and how you accept people for what they are and their different gifts, or you're dealing with, you know, Superman and that he's someone who comes from out of space and, you know what I'm saying, is a foreigner, but, you know, you got to... Kind of some, you know, kind of get, make your own gauge of him, and is it, you know, he's not just scary, you know, maybe he does provide good things to you and to help make the world a better place. Wow, that's uh, I th- I think one hundred percent that's a great way to look at it, uh, because that's what superheroes have always have always been. Yeah, they've always been an allegory for for some force for fighting something else. They've always been social commentary. Right. From the very beginning. We spoke about Superman back in the day. He was fighting mobsters and he was fighting corrupt bankers and right. stuff like that and corrupt businessmen. Uh, and and things things have evolved to, to, to such a point now that uh, that there's all this diversity in comic books. And, of course, you can save the world from a meteor, but you still got to worry about someone hating you because you're Muslim. Right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, I think it is good to help, like I said, especially if a parent wants to help teach a kid a lesson. And this, you know, these can certainly be ways to do it of, you know what I'm saying, whether it's people thinking people can't do it to you, you know, you introduce them to the all new Iron Man, where there's a little black girl now is Iron yes. Man, and anybody can be Iron Man, you know, and so it shows you that people can do anything, or like I said, with X-Men and showing how you accept people with differences, and like I said, if, if the parent, like I said, sees a kid that's bullying, and the kid reads it, you know, be like, hey, you know, how would you feel if, you know, they were bullying, you know what I'm saying, Storm and, and Cyclops, and like, oh, that's not cool, but... You know, you were doing it to Billy down the street because, you know, Billy wears glasses or, you know, whatever it must be. And you can kind of help bring the kid in to understanding how these kind of things do relate to life and how he can learn life lessons from it. And, you know, and help make that person, you know, as, you know, basically a superhero in their own little world. And, you know, by standing up for that kid next time other kids are doing it and kind of help, you know, be that person of change. I, I think that's perfect. I don't think I could have said it any better. And so I won't try. 
What I will do is I will use the words of one of my favorite stand-up comedians because this whole conversation reminded me of of his uh, his his mantra and his philosophy in which we just talk about there are greater things in the world than being afraid. And that whereas fear, fear has caused much more ill than it has good. Maybe we beat the Russians in the race to, in the space race or the, or the arms race or something, but we always end up breeding more terrible things. So, this is from uh, this is from Bill Hicks, a great stand-up comedian. If you've never if you've never heard him, he uh, he passed away in the early nineties, mm-hmm. and this was one of his what one one of his uh, his best known. I wouldn't even it was it was a bit. It wasn't even a joke. It wasn't a set or anything. Uh, so just and I, I keep it in my mind whenever life itself gets stressful. Because we get caught up in very, in the in the long term, they're minute things. So this is a, it's just a ride. Bill Hicks says, <clears throat> the world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round and it has thrills and chills and it's very brightly colored and it's very loud and it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time and they begin to question, is this real or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered and they have come back to us and they say, hey, don't worry. Don't be afraid ever because this is just a ride. And we kill those people. Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This has to be real. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try to tell us that. Never notice that? And we let the demons run amok. But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort. No worry. No job. No savings and money. Just a choice. Right now, between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy bigger guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now into a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it on feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would do many times over, not one human being excluded. And we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever. In peace. So that being said... For the Politipop Podcast, I've been Mike Booch. I'm Joe. (laughs) No matter what you're taking in, no matter what you're reading, you're watching, you're listening to, whatever it is, always look at it with a a critical eye. Never stop thinking. Never stop learning. And always remember to read between the lines. The Politipop Podcast is written and produced by Mike Booch. Rate and review us on iTunes. Find us on Podbean. Find us on SoundCloud. Find us on Twitter, at PolitipopPod. Reach out to us via email at politipopcast at gmail.com. Find our show notes and sources on politipoppodcast.wordpress.com.
Right. As a as as a vegan for three months now, I'm part of a Facebook page for vegans, and holy fuck, can I see why people hate vegans? <laughs> like, I'm not gonna go and throw red paint on people. I'm not gonna th- go and stand out in public with pictures of dead animals. I I feel bad now when I tell people what's actually in their food. Because right. I try not to bring it up, but like the other day, our boss, who is a vegetarian, was eating McDonald's fries. McDonald's fries are made with beef fat. Really? Yes. Huh. I wouldn't have told anyone unless they were a vegetarian. Right. You know, like if you eat fries, whatever, what the fuck do you care? You eat fries with a burger, right? right. So you're not worried about beef. Right. But I'm like, yeah, there's beef fat. And she's like, I don't think that's true. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it is. And then she's like, well, thanks for ruining that for me. It's been 10 years since I've had McDonald's fries. I'm like, ah, fuck. I'm that guy now. You are. Yeah, but Doomsday represents, in my opinion, he represents that radicalness. Originally, I thought that he was like, oh, he's hate and he's fear. But hate and fear doesn't – it does bring people together sometimes. But I'm I'm trying to think of modern instances where it has. Worked the Soviet Union and the U.S. together to fight Hitler. So it does happen yeah. in some ways. Like you said, it does, like you said, bring the group that's fighting together to fight the common enemy. So it certainly does in that case, like you said, where, you know, people that normally wouldn't get together. I mean, yeah. you know, even, even like you said, the people that we don't always get along with the best, you know, the French, we, you know, we fought with them in World War II, the British, which everybody always talks about how we have a special relationship. Meanwhile, we've fought more wars against them than anybody else. <laughs> that's very but, true. You know, we always like to talk about how great they are. Uh, but, um, like I said, it, it's, it just, like I said, it, there can be that one thing that brings you together to, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, so if we keep this here, all right, give me a sound check. Sound check one, sound check two, sound check three. Brown cow. How now, brown cow? The rain falls mainly on the plain. Sushi chef. That's a real one? Uh, I'm just doing tongue to it. Oh. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. <laughs> Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Peter Piper the pickled pepper picker picked a peck of pickled peppers. <coughs> it does limit you. But I think it also, like I said, in that sense, it also does give like a bit of a... Uh, Uh, gotta smoke more crack. Should I end it there or should I do the outro to the show? Do the outro. Yeah? Yeah. I feel like. <laughs>